Yo, guys, it's Burnt. I doubt it with Talmore is a great show, especially when I'm able to fast forward through Jesse's insistent yammering. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, my dog Freya still loves the show for some reason. I need to talk to her about that. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show. This episode 126 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dalamore, the hated man on Twitter. Sitting across from me, the lovely, talented, beautiful woman who no one hates, Brittany Page. Well, let's not get out of hand. <laughs> you're, you're not catching the flack on the Twitters like I have the last few days. Well, I'm not super controversial on the Twitters. I don't know that I'm super controversial. I just, I get something in my head and I just, I get obsessive a little bit. I won't let it go. Well, you're talking about things that are controversial. We'll say that. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Christians would just rather me go away. Yes. <laughs> that is for sure Isn't true. that safe to say? Yes. Right. <laughs> well, a lot's going on. A lot's going on. A lot is going on, especially within the the Christian community. It is a community, too. It's like its own little subdivision. I, is its it own, not a community? It, its own suburb. No, it is, for sure. Okay, I is. thought you were mocking me. Before we get to all that, though, I want to say, um, I want to drop the phone number. 657-464-7609. You can also send us a voice memo from your smartphone and email it to idoubtit.dollamore.com. We very much appreciate the support. We very much appreciate the contributions and the participation using those two methods. And we love you for it very much. We are trying to start a new, new <laughs> segment for Brittany Page that will be psychology adjacent. Mm -hmm. And we kind of want to have it be like an, like an actual segment with a theme and like, you know, some of the other stuff that we do on the show. And we're having a hard time coming up with a snappy, catchy name. Yes. So I would like the audience to maybe participate. I'm sure we have some creative types. Mm -hmm. And if they can think of something catchy, maybe alliterative, if not, that's fine. We are taking submissions for both segment intro and general segment name yes for my psychology segment psychology segment so use that number 657-464-7609 of course you can get us on the facebook page or on the twitters as previously mentioned or the email i doubt it at dollamore.com we really appreciate it you know i noticed something about you recently Brittany page Okay, I cannot wait to hear what it is. Well, we went to the beach the other day. We did. Was it yesterday? Uh, two days ago. All right. Recently, we yeah. went to the, mm -hmm. to the beach. And there's an air... We're cro we cross a street mm -hmm. and then walk on a sidewalk, right across a sidewalk into the sand. Right. Directly into the sand. And I always noticed the hesitation from you... 
when stepping from the sidewalk into the sand. Yes. And is that because you're afraid of hypodermic needles or other medical waste or whatever that you might be stepping on? I'm just afraid feet? of needles. Yeah. <laughs> afraid of needles. Just afraid that needles will be in the sand. And I don't know where I got this fear. Well, I thought about it because I also have, I wouldn't say trepidation, but it's certainly something that crosses my mind that there might be something in the sand that could cut you or hurt you. But you, as soon as you step in, th that fear just melts away. And I, I don't even think about it anymore. I keep thinking about it. With each step, I keep thinking about it. But it's not like it is overwhelming me so much that I can't go to it's, the beach. It's not debilitating. Right. I just It's a thought in my head, and I control it, and everything's okay. I was at the beach as a kid, and they were barbecuing, and I stepped on a hot coal from the barbecue, oh. and I got a bloody nose. Whoa. Like, right after that, I got a bloody nose, and it had to have been... Something related to stepping on the hot coal, right? Just like stress or something? Uh, Made your know. nose bleed? I don't know. But it, I mean, I linked the two. Maybe it was just happenstance, coincidence. Yeah. And then I linked them in my stupid kid head. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, in your stupid kid head. <laughs> well, I don't know. So I, I do have, I wouldn't say phobias, but I certainly have reservations about stepping headlong barefoot into sand. Yeah, and I think it, I don't know, I haven't stepped on anything either. I was just trying to think, have I stepped on something before? And so maybe I have this fear because I have stepped on something and I haven't ever gotten something stuck in my foot. I don't know. You're. I think you're generally cautious of things that are extreme long shots. Well, and things that are just potentially dangerous, like spiders. I, I was just going to bring up spiders. You are someone who who acts as though fatal spider bites happen all the time. That they are a household danger <laughs> that should be readily feared. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is there a problem? I, I just I hear you squeal <laughs> in terror often. Yeah, and. I come running because, you know, that's what someone does. Yes. And it's a little <laughs> tiny spider. They are never little. That is absurd. <laughs> that is completely absurd. They are always little. They are monstrous with giant teeth. Right. And giant teeth yes, now. Yes. Terrifying. Huh? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really scary. And we will not get into my night terrors about them. <laughs> because we all know that's happened. Apparently, we all know. Yes. Apparently, we all know. So, I don't know. I just, I wanted to uh, touch on that because I think it's interesting that you you have these certain things built into you. Well, there has to be other people that think of needles being in the sand when they're at the beach, right? I can't be the only person <laughs> who think, has that thought. I think you started realizing just how probably not <laughs> common that was as you said the sentence. There has to be somewhere. <laughs> all right. Oh, yes. Of the, of the almost eight or nine billion people on the planet, I'm sure there is someone somewhere who has that particular phobic reaction to stepping okay. barefoot into sand. It's not a phobic reaction. I'm fine. I'm able to walk in the sand, but I, I have to be getting it from somewhere. I'm thinking I have a vague memory that maybe something involving a needle in the sand happened on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew years ago. Wow. Now so, you're really reaching. No, I like have this vague memory. Maybe that happened on an episode. <laughs> All right. 
We'll just go with that then. I don't know. It's probably wrong. Right. I'm the worst. Well, let's move on because we got a lot to get to here. Big week, everybody. I had to do a lot of research this week to find out exactly about a family. We have featured clips of Josh Duggar, who used formerly of the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins' uh, celebrated hate group, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. And we played this particular clip on the show you might remember. What would you say to those who who call, like, defining marriage between a man and a woman, call that hate speech? Well, you know, I, I think that right now in America there is an agenda to silence people of faith, those who hold a dissenting opinion. That's not what America was founded on. America was founded on those respect, tolerance, and, and really not discriminating against people based on their religious convictions. So I... I would expect that everyone would remember him saying that. America was founded on those respect, tolerance. <laughs> While he lobbies the Supreme Court and his with his anti-gay organization to outlaw gay marriage or make it unavailable for gays in America. Well, he's also evidently a historian because <laughs> yeah, yeah. America was founded on respect and tolerance. Right. So... Anyway, goddamn, what a mess this week for this guy. All brought on by himself. But I want to give a little background because I think a lot of the audience doesn't know who the fuck he is or who's, who the fuck his family is because I didn't know. I did not either. I mean, I knew who he was because of the Family Research Council mm -hmm. and because of Tony Perkins, who is a, a dick. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that the family had, like, I'd heard of 19 Kids and Counting. Mm -hmm. I'd heard of it. Which is a reality show on TLC. Yeah, so it's a reality show on the same network as Honey Boo Boo, who also got pulled off the air because of the mother having a sexual relationship with a registered sex offender. Right. So apparently TLC is the sex offender network relative to their reality programming. Well, all this will come clear right now. Because what happened this week is early in the week, there were rumblings, rumors floating that there had been some sexual impropriety relative to Josh Duggar when he was a teenage boy, 14 or 15 years old. And 14 and 15, 14 and 15 years old over the course of that time. At the very beginning, I kind of took it with a grain of salt because these things tend to raise their heads and then go away into obscurity just based on the fact that they're not true. However, this one ended up being true, and he ended up giving a half-assed admission of guilt. He never says, I molested my sisters and her friends on multiple occasions over the course of a couple of years. He never comes out right out and says it, but he did give an odd admission. So Josh Duggar is the son of Jim Bob and Michelle and Michelle. And they are the ones who have the 19 kids. And Josh Duggar is the oldest child of the 19 kids. Right. And and by the way, they're they're trying to have their 20th child right now. And Josh is, I believe, 26 years old now. He's married to a woman named Anna mm -hmm. and they have 
four kids. Four kids. And I think one of them is a girl. And so Josh Duggar recently, this all came out because of In Touch Weekly, which is a tabloid magazine that's terrible. But sometimes they get it right. Right. So they got a hold of some police records from the Springdale Police Department. Springdale, Arkansas. And they show that a report was made against Josh Duggar in 2006. Now, this is three years three to four years after the actual sexual assaults took place because they happened in 2002 and 2003. Right. There were multiple occasions of these sexual assaults. And these reports were made in 2006 for forcible fondling, which is a felony, a sexual assault. Felony. And it looks like two charges of forcible fondling and then another one for sexual assault. And to, to get specific, I don't want to get too graphic or gory, but I don't want to ignore what I think the, the, the mainstream media is doing, and they are ignoring the gory details. That he fondled their, their vaginas, their prepubescent vaginas and breasts. So they were children. These weren't peers in age to him. These were little girls. So he is accused of having done this while they were sleeping and also while they were awake. Right, both. And what happened was he, Josh's parents learned that he had been doing this. They decided to send him away to do kind of hard labor with a family friend. Right. Well, I want to kind of cover how it came out and then what we ended up finding out. Initially, they said they sent him off to treatment. To a treatment program and then it came out well it wasn't really treatment we just went to help have him help remodel someone's house so they really didn't take any steps whatsoever to get him help right so he they tried to say that they sent him to counseling but then they later admitted well actually he never went to counseling it was just this swing and a hammer right so, in addition to this, they also had an Arkansas state trooper, That's Jim right. Hutchins, yeah. come and have a talk with Josh Duggar. Kind of scaring him straight kind of a thing. Right. Except for this guy is now serving 56 years in prison for child pornography. Right. And he was not the, he was not acting in his official capacity as an Arkansas state trooper. He was acting as a church family friend. Right, so... Who just happens to be a cop. So one child predator came and, and talked to another child predator yeah. in a stern way. One convicted child predator, child pornographer, gave counsel to an admitted child molester. Right, So and that's the thing. Josh Duggar has come out and said he made a mistake... Inexcusable and, behavior. And he has apologized for it, right? Mm -hmm. So he is admitted to doing this. And he's admitted to doing this when he was 14 or 15. He says that he told his wife before they got married that he had done this. And she, you know, forgave him or whatever. And then they got married. Um, so he did this in 2002, 2003, when he was 14 or 15. People have been having various reactions to this situation. Yes. Well, before we get into all that, though, I, I want to do this. I don't like to traffic in 
in the I'm not we're not in the business here of uh celebrating personal defeat of schadenfreude you know what I mean I just I don't want to celebrate someone's failures but here's the thing that makes this different is that this is the guy who gets up in front of people on his high horse self-righteously preaching things like this well what an honor it is for me to be here with you today to stand up for marriage my wife Anna and I have four precious children, uh, one of which is due in July. We count them from conception. Amen. And while this is playing, the entire time this is playing, I want you to keep in the back of your mind, this is someone who has admitted to molesting his young sisters and their friends. <laughs> you know, I want, to, I want to share three things very quickly. Before we go to March, as we're thinking about the decision that is before the Supreme Court of the United States, you know, growing up as the oldest of 19 kids and counting in our show on reality television, my parents taught us to love and respect every single person. You know, we are all made in God's image, and he has given each one of us intrinsic value, and we are to shine God's love to every single person. Amen? Amen. The second point is family. As I look at so many families across America, I am extremely grateful for my parents and my family for the example they set of being selfless and taking time to love each other and to love us for who we are. I truly believe that every child deserves a mother and a father. And I'm sure grateful for mine. The third point is freedom. I want to read a quote really quickly from Rick Warren that I think sums up a lot of uh. what we have to say. He says, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. We'll leave it there. Those are the words of admitted sex offender, admitted child molester, Josh Duggar. So to kind of put a fine point on this, I want to play a little bit of a piece that the Today Show put on about this very matter. All right, we begin now with this half hour with a headline that shocked a lot of people, a family facing one of the largest countries, one of the families that is well known in this country, the Duggars, stars of TLC's 19 Kids and Counting. Today's Erica Hill is here with the latest on this story. Erica, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. The Duggars' oldest son, Josh, is now apologizing after reports he was once investigated on child molestation claims. And now some longtime fans of the family's reality show are calling for it to be canceled. The headlines are shocking. Josh Duggar accused of child molestation. In response, the now 27-year-old father of three issued a statement which reads in part, 12 years ago, as a young teenager, I acted inexcusably, for which I am extremely sorry and deeply regret. I hurt others, including my family and close friends. Most people come in and say, man, you guys are... The incidents occurred in 2002, just before the family began filming its first TV special, 14 Children and Pregnant Again. 14 Children is unusual. Police records obtained by InTouch magazine, which were destroyed Thursday by request by an Arkansas court, show Josh Duggar was accused of repeatedly molesting five underage girls. Some touched inappropriately during the night while the victims were, quote, sleeping 
Apparently, the victims were sleeping in a common room at this time. Wow, it has been very busy. Those same records also state Josh's father, Jim Bob, knew about the incidents, but waited more than a year before contacting authorities. NBC reached out to both Josh and Jim Bob, but neither responded to our request for comment. In a separate statement posted on their Facebook page, Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar called this one of the most difficult times of our lives and went on to say he made some very bad mistakes and we were shocked. The investigation was opened in 2006 after a caller contacted producers from the Oprah Winfrey Show, who in turn contacted the Department of Human Services. It's great to see you guys and to be here. I sat down with the Duggars earlier this month before any of these allegations were made public. That interview was for a special that aired Tuesday on TLC. We do, we do plan to stick with them. Josh's wife, Anna, who was pregnant with the couple's fourth child, stated Josh shared his, quote, past teenage mistakes two years before the couple became engaged. TLC, which just wrapped its 10th season of the family's reality show, did not respond to a request for comment. There's no word on whether they knew about these allegations prior to this week. Josh Duggar resigned from his position with the Family Research Council on Thursday, a conservative Christian lobbying group. Its president released a statement saying the incidents were previously unknown to the group and that this is the best decision for Josh and his family at this time. Duggar is not eligible for criminal charges in these cases because the statute of limitations has passed on the events in question. But is it true that the family, the parents, knew about these allegations and waited a long period of time? That they, that they weren't reported, and that's one of the questions that we had and one of the questions that we were hoping to get answered. But again, our requests for comment to both the Duggar family and to Josh have not been answered at this so point. So many people have wow. followed this family. I think they'll be real surprised to hear this. Erica, thank you. So there's been a lot of reactions to this. Yeah. There's been quite a bit of support for Josh. Yeah. And then there's also been, obviously not a lot of support because the show was canceled or not canceled, but removed from they pulled it from the schedule pending final decisions. Right. B- before we get to the reactions though, because they're the groundswell of support. I actually was surprised by how, just how, how much there was. It really was shocking to me. But before we get all that, I, I do want to talk about the fact that, in all of the different responses and statements from the family, the victims are never talked about. They, they try to posture this situation and talk to, about this situation in a way that almost makes Josh Duggar seem like the victim here. Mm-hmm. But they don't talk about what they've done for these little girls who were violated, who were assaulted, who were molested. Who he's evidently still around, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So when you see a picture of him with his siblings, well, somewhere in that sea of 18 siblings that he has are are girls that he sexually assaulted. His victims. Yeah, absolutely. And it's sick. And it really goes to show and it goes to point to the the level of callousness with which this family has dealt with this. That it's look out for little Josh. Nothing to say about the, the the actual victims of this heinous act. Right. We'll just send him away to work on a house. Right. And then hope that he'll stop doing this. Oh, when he comes back, oh, there was another incident. We're going to wait three years to report anything. Until the, coincidentally, until the statute of limitation has passed. Right. 
So then nothing can be done from a legal standpoint. So let's get to the reactions, though. And, and there have been many, um, both unexpected, on, uh, in my opinion, and then also very expected on the other side. And then we're also going to talk about the fact that there are memes circulating that feature quotes of people who did not say the things that they reportedly said. But let's get to his supporters first. Right. So let's let's just start with a couple of the main arguments in defense of Josh that I've been seeing. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of them have been uh, kids will be kids. Uh, he was a minor too. Oh, the, the playing doctor. They're just playing doctor. Right. 14 and 15 years old is a little too old to be using the argument kids will be kids. You know, kids are just curious. Right. Well, I haven't listen. I haven't heard any of the ages uh, of the victims. However, when I think about all this, and this is just me, I don't have any evidence of this. I want that out out of the way right away. But when I'm thinking of his victims, I'm thinking of like a five year old. So I don't know because there's plenty of ages in between him and the youngest. So I'm I don't know why I have it in my head that it's you know someone who's just out of being a toddler, a very very young girl. So it's not kids will be kids. If you have an unwilling participant, it's not playing doctor. If you have an asleep child, it's not just playing doctor. It's a serious assault that goes to f larger psy psychological issues. I mean, all of these kids are homeschooled. And he apparently graduated high school at 16 years old and almost immediately at 16, which is one year after the molestation. Very shortly after he graduated high school, he started a part-time political consulting firm and then very shortly after that started a used car dealership. So he was doing adult stuff that took adult brain power. You're not a little kid starting a political consulting firm. So apparently he had a little wherewithal just two or three years after this abuse took place. So so that whole argument, that whole line of reasoning, I think is complete bullshit. Because at 15 years old, you know, it's not just playing doctors. Oh, hey, I'm a kid too. I'm six or seven. I'm curious about your body because you have different parts than I have. You're 15, you know. You have you've probably already gone through puberty at 15. I you would think you're probably having wet dreams. Your hormones are raging, and apparently you're developing a predilection for little girls. Dangerous, and then they send him not only to just remodel a house as therapy, but to be counseled by a, a soon-to-be convicted possessor of child pornography. It's sickening. And it's all washed over because, hey, Jesus forgave me. I'm not, I'm not perfect as a Christian. I'm just forgiven. It's complete bullshit that gives the victims zero justice because their invisible guy in the sky forgave them. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm Everyone's getting real. They're taking an issue with the fact that people are criticizing him because of his faith. 
Well, th- that's a part of the picture, yeah, because yeah. this guy is always using his faith, right, and, and acting like he's so moral, and like America's in a moral crisis because of gay marriage, right? When someone who has molested children is saying that to America, multiple children. It's time for you to go ahead and stop talking now because right. we don't need to hear about moral crises from someone that has made those decisions. Beautifully said. So that's why that's relevant. We understand that Christians aren't perfect. We understand that Christians make mistakes. We understand that. But the reason why his faith is relevant is because of that. He's on this, like you said, on his high horse all the time, talking as though he knows what's moral. No, we're good. We don't need to hear what you think is moral. America was founded on those respect, tolerance, so another um, another argument that people are making to support him is one that Mike Huckabee made. Oh, yeah. He's loud and proud about his support for Josh Duggar and his parents. So he posted a really long Facebook update on this. Ugh. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll read some of it. <laughs> Mike Huckabee says, Janet and I want to affirm our support for the Duggar family. Josh's actions when he was an underage teen are, as he described them himself, inexcusable. But that doesn't mean unforgivable. He and his family dealt with it and were honest and open about it with the victims and the authorities. Well, you're getting a little lax there. Right. Because being open and honest about it with the authorities would mean... Years later. The day that we found out that a sexual assault occurred, we call the police. Right. Withholding the truth for a time until the statute of limitations has passed, that's not open, frank, honest behavior. Withholding the truth is the same as lying. So Mike Huckabee goes on to say, no purpose whatsoever is served by those who are now trying to discredit Josh or his family by sensationalizing the story. Good people make mistakes and do regrettable and even disgusting things. Um, okay, going to stop you again. Right. Sensen- sensationalizing the story. There is a copy of the police report. It says sexual assault and felony forcible fondling. Right. It's a teenage boy playing with the vagina of a four, five, or six-year-old girl. Well, we, Come don't, on. we don't know the ages, but... Come on, Mike Huckabee. Mike Huckabee continues, They are no more perfect a family than any family, but their Christian witness is not marred in our eyes because following Christ is not a declaration of our perfection, but of His perfection. God. It is precisely because we are all sinners that we need His grace and His forgiveness. We have been blessed to receive God's love, and we would do no less than to extend our love and our support to our friends. Well, this is interesting if you heard those words, and we'll put this up on the Facebook page, of course. But it stands in stark contrast to something that Mike Huckabee said or wrote in 2009 about something very, very similar. Some things are either right or wrong. It doesn't matter who does them. When Hollywood hero Roman Polanski drugged and raped a 13-year-old girl and then fled the country instead of facing the consequences of, of his own guilty plea, there should be no defense of him from anyone. What he did was evil and reprehensible. The fact that he is a great director doesn't obscure the fact that he robbed a child of far more than Bernie Madoff stole from his victims. What our culture... 
What has our culture become when people can commit despicable criminal acts and yet get defended and excused because they are celebrities? Wow. Read that last sentence one more time from Mike Huckabee. What has our culture become when people can commit despicable criminal acts and yet get defended and excused because they are celebrities? (laughs) Wow. It's fucking thick in here, Mike Huckabee. All right. Now read... I think you'll know this the, the 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 sentence that has kind of the same flavor except it's it's defending Josh Duggar. Good people make mistakes and do regrettable and even disgusting things. Right. So uh, so if you disagree with Mike Huckabee and you're one of the Hollywood liberal elite and I'm not defending Roman Polanski if he had done that to my daughter, he wouldn't be drawing breath right now. It would be a very different story. However, because Roman Polanski doesn't represent, quote unquote, the values that Mike Huckabee does, he doesn't get a pass. Right. He's blinded by his bias. Absolutely. And he's he sees Roman Polanski as the Hollywood left. Yeah. And he sees Josh Duggar is the the right. His team. Yeah. Right. So he gets a pass. He gets, oh, you're not you're not perfect. You're just forgiven. <laughs> but not Roman Polanski. And I don't understand this. Well, Roman Polanski is a grown adult. He's an old man. And Josh Duggar was a minor. I don't understand the distinction because Mike Huckabee has kids. So if Mike Huckabee had, you know, a 14 or 15 year old around his daughter and this 14 or 15 year old touched his daughter's breasts and vagina uh, that when she didn't want that to happen, sexually assaulted her. Right. Is that going to be different in Mike Huckabee's eyes than if Roman Polanski were to do it? Probably not. But Uh, he's able to extricate himself from that logic, I think. This is what confuses me. It, It blows my mind. I have no idea how he's able to do that. This is despicable behavior on both hearts on by both men Roman Polanski and Josh Duggar but Mike Huckabee is a proponent of the death penalty and in this country we try 14 and 15 year old boys for murder as adults and sometimes they end up getting sentenced to death for their crimes So why is Josh Duggar just a young boy? He's just a young boy. He didn't know any better. Why is he not one, you know, accountable for his crimes at 15 years old? Right. And so on Mike Huckabee's status, people are having a very negative reaction to him defending. This is what I was really shocked about is that people who are followers of his page, presumably, are really up in arms, not happy with him defending. Right. Even people who admit that they themselves are Christian, that they themselves are conservative, but that they will not be voting for him now. And some of these have, I mean, thousands of likes of people saying, I'm no longer voting for you because you did this. This shows your judgment and character. I saw some with like 5,600 likes, single comments on his thread that had 5,600 likes. God damn. Right. So this seems like a mistake on Mike Huckabee's part. Oh, yeah. He 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 definitely did not read the wind uh, which way it was blowing on this one because he he may have completely fucked himself. He may have sunk his his presidential campaign. 
So while we're on this, while we're talking about this, let's read. I want to get this out there. Brittany and I talk about on this show a lot about you don't have to lie or fake what is real in order to to get your point across or to bolster what your message is. Because if your message is true, it will win out without the bullshit. Well, there is a Facebook page that has created a lot of memes that feature pictures of, of conservative politicians and noteworthy conservatives with quotes that are complete and utter bullshit. The, the most famous of which is the, the idiot Ted Cruz. And what does it say? Um, it says, while there may have been an age difference, Josh Duggar's transgressions are far less an affront to God than what gays do with each other. Right. Which is not true. Did no. not Did not say it. No. So several memes are coming from the Facebook page, Stop the World, the Teabaggers Want Off. And apparently they are known for making memes that have quotes on them. And th- they have a disclaimer on their page, but... You know, uh, the average person on the Internet isn't going to look for disclaimers on the page. They're just going to like the page and then start sharing the memes. That's the thing. There's no disclaimer on the meme. No. It's just on the original page. Right. And they say this is an entertainment page. This isn't meant to be taken seriously. But it's like when news media update their articles their news articles online to fix something that they wrote and the updates at the very end of the article in like small italicized fonts right right and and so they're just not making it clear that hey this isn't real but this page shouldn't even exist it's not funny right and okay so they made a michelle bachman meme what did it say it said someone close to me successfully prayed away the gay so i have no reason to believe josh duggar didn't successfully pray away the pedophilia jesus is the cure for all unnatural desires michelle bachman now this is just something clearly that she would not say yeah, right she's dumb she's clearly off of her fucking rocker, but that's not something. That's not even a the, the Michelle Bachman flavor to it. Who else? Mike Huckabee. Right. What did they report that he said? Josh Duggar was a teenager. The girls were almost teenagers. In biblical times, they could have married. The only reason the liberals are attacking Josh is because he has been a faithful warrior against the perversion of homosexuality. So, stop. If you listen, even if you agree with us on everything and you agree that D- Josh Duggar is wrong and that this is terrible and that he's getting a pass where he shouldn't be getting a pass, don't share these memes. Well, you can use a real Mike Huckabee quote and they're just as horrific. <laughs> right. You don't need to you don't need to get a fake one. Right. Just go to his quote that he posted. He posts them. He says it. Use the real things that he right. says. No kidding. So let's move on to. Well, let's put it this way. Let's move on to Twitter because I have had a a couple days because uh, Brian Fisher, famed friend of the show, truth wiener, Brian Fisher, has been going, losing his goddamn mind on Twitter about this, really taken up for Josh Duggar. And it sparked in me. I wrote a blog. It's the first time I've written a blog and put it on the website. But if you'd like to read it, it's at dollamore.com. It's also on the Facebook page, which you should already be liking. The goddamn Facebook page where you could get all of this wonderful content. 
Yes. <laughs> so Brian Fisher apparently has a lot of fans out there who don't take kindly when one outs him as stupid. And this person tweeted and said, didn't tweet me to me, just tweeted about me and said, observe, seeking to justify continual homosexual sin, Dollamore labels others based on a previous sin no longer practiced. And then he mentions Brian Fisher, so he'll see it. But it's it's been a it's been a a couple of days like that on Twitter where Josh Duggar, hashtag Josh Duggar, was in the top five of trending topics on Twitter. So he's been I mean, he's been under his desk hiding, certainly, because you can't come out in the light of day when something's like this going on. Right. They actually just had to take down their official website as well. Oh, did they? Yeah. So I'm assuming that that might be, I don't know, but that might be a TLC obligation because hmm. TLC might run that page. Oh, and okay. while this is in flux, they may, you know what I mean? Because a, a page like that would cost money to, to main. I mean, our page costs money to maintain and it probably doesn't get it one one hundredth of the traffic that theirs does. And then when they're in the news, holy shit, it probably doesn't get one ten thousandth of the traffic. So they probably just took it down for that reason. So one of my favorite reactions to this is from a woman who writes at the blog, defeatingthedragons.wordpress.com. <laughs> and she had some really good things to say about this. Um, she said, another way that our culture allows abuse to flourish is that we refuse to really deal with what is actually happening. Rape is referred to as non-consensual sex. And Josh sexually assaulted five little girls by groping their breasts and genitalia, but that's not what the media is calling it. And it certainly isn't what anyone connected to the Duggars is calling it. It's not being described as child sexual assault, not as the felony it is, but as molestation. Over and over again, I've seen Christians calling it a mistake. Yeah. Anna, his wife, called it an offense. I, I, I echo this all the time. When, when I talk about the Catholic Church and when they say sexual assault of children, I've said for years, let's stop saying the word sexual assault when it is brutal, forcible, terrible rape. I, I agree with her 100%. She goes on to say, it's not just the Duggars who do this. We see this every single time one of these scandals comes to light. Whoever was responsible apologizes, but they never admit to anything. Josh said he, quote, behaved inexcusably, which doesn't mean anything. If Josh had gotten up in front of everyone and said the words, I committed a felony, I sexually assaulted five little girls, and I'm sorry, it would make it obvious to every single last person on the planet that oh, I'm sorry, isn't going to cut it. But in our culture, abusers can apologize, and that becomes a headline. Yeah, well, it would also it would also alert everyone if he apologized in that way, that I committed a felony, I molested, I violated my sisters and her friends. It would let everybody know that he knows what he did. He's admitting what he did, not just saying, I acted inexcusably. Right. And this blogger goes on to say that 
when the abuser apologizes, it makes the victim look bad in Christian culture if they don't immediately forgive. This is very, very true. Right. And she goes on to say that she doesn't like this minimizing language like you're talking about. She says she uses the words assault and rape and abuse. And she says, if it comes to light that Josh digitally penetrated his victims, I'm going to start saying Joshua Duggar is a rapist. Yes. And it's likely... This is Jesse D talking, no evidence. It is likely that he did. So she also goes on to say that um, the biggest reason why Josh will get away with this is purity culture within the Christian community. And this is what your blog is about. I mean, indirectly, you don't really talk about purity in it. But in that environment, they, women, are expected to be pure have a pure heart right well they're supposed to be dainty delicate taken care of submissive to the man you know it's all part and parcel with christian culture and well what sparked me to writing the blog was a lot of what was going on twitter and i saw a lot of stuff on facebook about don't blame him don't blame his faith or his christianity because it has nothing to do with that and i argue that it has everything to do with that that You know, I was raised in Christianity. I was raised being taught women should keep their heads covered and their mouths shut in church. And there was scriptural basis for that. You know, in the Bible, there are scriptures that say if a, a man rapes a virgin, we've talked about it on the show, a virgin who has not been dead, not been given already to, to be married that he is to pay the father of the rape victim 50 shekels of silver. He is to marry his rape victim and never be allowed to divorce her, which conversely obviously means she must marry her rapist and never be allowed to divorce him. It's, It's a culture of misogyny that is, that is thousands of years old and it has continued to be taught today. So let us know what you think about this. 657-464-7609. That is the I Doubt It With Dollamore hotline. (laughs) Leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail there, and we will incorporate your opinion into the next show. You can also email idoubted at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So other than Mike Huckabee saying the dumb things that he said, we don't really have anything to say. So we kind of we kind of blew our wad on the Mike Huckabee supporting of Josh Duggar early on when it really would have fit perfectly right here. But that's not to say we don't have political news. There's always political news. <laughs> right. Steny Hoyer, a leader in the United States House of Representatives, is calling for quietly, though, because there's not a lot of audio or anything I could find him saying it, but calling for a pay raise for the House of Representatives. Most members of Congress make $174,000 a year. Two senior House Democrats say lawmakers deserve a raise. Minority Whip Steny Hoyer told reporters on Tuesday that he's concerned that congressional members' salaries, which have remained at the same level since 2009, will dissuade all but the uber-wealthy from serving in Congress. Right. 
So the only the only audio I was able to find of a congressman actually supporting a pay raise for the already $174,000 a year salary is Alcee Hastings. And he had this to say. In order for us to get a raise, we have to go to the public and prove that um, uh, we deserve it. Well, I think we do. The cost of living here is causing serious problems uh, for uh, people who are not wealthy to be able to serve in this institution. He further, when questioned later about it, he doubled down and had this to say. I didn't offer an amendment. It wasn't going to uh, be passed. But members need to take into consideration uh, their concerns and their families. And the cost of living, the same for personnel here, has gone up for members. I'm strongly in favor of uh, a pay raise for members commensurate with what everyone else receives as federal employees. We're entering our seventh year without a pay raise. Now, I think we proved to the American public that we're responsible. And uh, I know that it has impacted me personally. And if other members, uh, uh, we have more than 50 members, probably as many as 75 or more living in their offices. Okay? Um, They're not there because of any other reason than that they can't afford it. Now, if people want to send sackcloths and cloths and ashes, then they're going to get uh, what they uh, rightly deserve as uh, representation. But where we are headed, if we don't address this, is we're headed toward an elite structure uh, in this uh, uh, body that will allow only for the wealthy to serve. And that's just wrong. Okay? I understand that argument. Congressman yeah. Moran made a similar one last year, same it was same time period, on the Ledge Branch right. Appropriations Bill and asked for a housing stipend. Um, does it seem like the only opportunity to have this debate then is on the Ledge Branch Bill itself? Because I'm not so sure about that. I think there are going to be other opportunities. As a matter of fact, I was talking uh, with uh, Lita Hoyer uh, just briefly on the floor, uh, and I, I'm not certain about it, but I will follow his lead in that regard. He, too, is concerned. Or uh, as are many members who are afraid to express themselves for fear of some backlash in their uh, communities. Well, people with children, I'm, I'm, my children are grown. I'm in good shape, okay? Uh, and I'm, I'm not worried about me per se. But when you, you take into consideration people with 14, 15-year-old children getting ready to go to college, they can't do it here. Uh, also, we let federal judges uh, go, and they rightly now are making the $220,000. For almost 50 years, they were paired together, you know, and now Congress is left afraid to speak up for itself. Well, I'm not. So he is also uh, out of Florida, by the way. Yeah. Representative yeah. from Florida. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Does not surprise me. He, here's the deal on this. Our country is set up to have a citizen government. You're not there to make a living. You're not there to to have it be your lifetime occupation. The other thing is that the median household income in the United States is $53,000. The median household income is $53,000. So even if 
he wants to make the case that you can't live on $174,000 a year because he has to maintain a home in Florida and he has to maintain a home in D.C. He still makes over triple the salary of the median household income. His personal salary is over three times. It's You don't need a raise. For another thing, the United States Congress is about as inept and terrible as anybody in the government. You don't get shit done. You can't agree on anything. No, they, they've proven <laughs> that they can do good things. It's terrible. He's proven that. The, the the temerity and the audacity to ask for a raise, I don't care if it's been 20 years, you still make three times what the, uh, the, the median household does. That's not one person. That's everybody in the household. If you pool their money together, they make $53,000 a year. So fuck you, Alcee Hastings. You don't deserve a raise. You or Steny Hoyer, who's apparently smart enough to not be recorded blathering on about how he needs more money. Yeah, maybe he should skip the interview next time. <laughs> Just have it be printed in Politico. Good Lord. All right, on to a little 538.com, the wonderful Nate Silver. They did, they put some they put some numbers together about GOP candidates and there are likely going to be members of the GOP, the Republican candidate field, presidential campaign, that are going to be left out of the debates. Yes. They open this article by saying, if you thought the presidential primary debates were fun last election cycle, <laughs> this year could be t 2012 on steroids. I cannot wait for the debates. And let me say this. I don't, we're going to have to kind of Find our rhythm, how we cover them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to be like recording while it's happening so we can kind of give live responses. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I want to do something creative. I would another thing I'd like from the audience, not only your psychology corner or your psychology segment, but give us some ideas about what would be a creative but workable, feasible way to cover the debates for the show. Well, we can't do it live because then you'll have to beep me a lot. No, 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 not. I don't mean live. Okay. It would be like you know Conan or J. I almost said Jay Leno, uh, Jimmy Fallon. That's taped live before a studio audience, and then they just play it later. Mm -hmm. So we could record it live, and then maybe do something with it to post it later. I don't know, but I want to do something creative, not just in retrospect talk about. But we'll leave that to the audience. 657-464-7609. What did 538 have to say? The Republican field has more candidates, 18 by the New York Times' count, than any recent primary, and debate organizers have been wrestling with this one main question. How the heck can we fit all the candidates <laughs> on a stage? The answer from Fox News and CNN, which are separately hosting the first two televised debates, is to invite the top 10 candidates as determined by a national polling average and leave everyone else out. 
CNN will also have the candidates polling outside the top 10 and above the 1% debate separately. So who is likely to be left out? I'm dying to know. Across any sort of average, Jeb Bush, Ben Carson, Chris Christie, Ted Cruz, Mike Huckabee, Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, and Scott Walker would make a debate held today. Mm-hmm. They are all polling above 5%. So that leaves two open spots. The polls will probably move before the first debate, which is in August. Uh, it's coming up so, so soon. But at this moment, who gets to fill those final two spots depends on how you take the polling average. And 538 also refuses to include Donald Trump. (laughs) Good for them. Good for them. So it depends on which poll you look at. Real cool, real clear politics and Huffington Post slash pollster. These all have different kind of point systems that they're giving. But the people who are consistently falling in the bottom that aren't those names that we just listed are Rick Perry, Rick Santorum, John Kasich. Also people who have not declared. And Carly Fiorina. Yeah. Well, she has, but the others have not. Right. So those are the people that are falling at the bottom, that if they don't start picking it up, well, they aren't even going to be in the debates. And right. that's a bummer because that's that's the exposure you need. Well, it is the exposure that you need. But once you once you declare, you get a lot of FaceTime because there's a little bit of buzz and you can ride that wave. If you have the campaign structure in place, the personnel, the manpower, the organization to to make it happen. And Jindal is also at the oh, bottom. Right. Another one who hasn't declared. Right. But 18 Republican candidates. Unbelievable. I think 10. I, they could do 12. I, I Look, I like uh, fewer in a debate because it's less of a clusterfuck. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I do know what you it, mean. It's too much. Last time was just a shit show with all the dumbasses on stage and Rick Perry forgetting his talking points. And I'd get rid of five, five departments of government the department of education the whoa what what's the other one i mean you know it's just it's too much yeah it's too much yeah all right well what's next pew 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 so the republicans early views of the gop field are more positive than they were in 2012 and 2008 Nearly 6 in 10, 57% of Republicans and Republican-leaning registered voters say that they have an excellent or good impression of their party's presidential candidates. That compares with 54% of Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters who have a positive impression of the Democratic Party's candidates. Now, if you think about that, there's 18 Republican prospective <laughs> candidates. Right, right. How many candidates for the Democrats? Right. Weird. Well, th- here's the other thing is... Look at those last years, 2008, the candidate was John McCain and his batshit crazy running mate, Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. What is, I mean, goddamn. And then 2012, it was Mitt Romney. So, and the unknown Paul Ryan. Right. So, uh, there wasn't much there to like. I mean, and we're talking about the general election. We're talking about the, the already gone through primary candidates, but I could see why there's a little bit more hope right now. It's because looking back, it was such a weak situation when Mitt Romney is the one who gets the the, the nod for the general election. He gets the nomination. 
because he's the strongest candidate and he's a turd. You never know what he's going to. Anyway, ugh. yeah, well, good. That's good from Pew. What else? They have something else, don't they? Yes. So Pew Research also has the five facts about minimum wage because the Los Angeles City Council just moved to raise the city's local minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So five facts about minimum wage and the people who earn it. Uh, fact number one, adjusted for inflation, the federal minimum wage peaked in 1968 at $8.54. That's adjusted for inflation. Right. Since it was last raised in 2009 to the current 7.25 per hour, the federal minimum has lost about 8.1% of its purchasing power due to inflation. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so we're not going to read all of them because like last time we did the five facts <laughs> and then we got to a couple of them and we were just silent afterward because right, they were boring. Right, so right, right. here is the second fact, skipping over the first one. Nearly half, 48.2% of the 3 million hourly workers who were at or below the federal minimum in 2014 were ages 16 to 24. Right. So about half, which is kind of the conservative talking point that the, these are... Well, I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that these are entry-level jobs, but these are entry-level people at the entry-level jobs. High school and college kids. Right. Um, the fact number three, 29 states plus the District of Columbia and nearly two dozen cities and counties have set their own higher minimums. Yeah. State hourly minimums range from seven fifty in Arkansas, Maine, and New Mexico to $9.47 in Washington state. Yep. Very progressive in Washington state. And the highest I see... That should be the highest, Washington, is it not? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a very uh, interesting topic, interesting issue. I, I generally have an issue with the government telling business what they have to pay out of their own money to employees. You know what I mean? I, I just it puts a real bad taste in my mouth. And for the for for what it's worth, what you earn should be has some correlation to the value you provide. If if you're working at Jack in the Box. Are you really worth, are you providing $15 an hour worth of value? Here's what's going to happen, especially with this Los Angeles thing. In the time that, that, by the time 2020 comes around and they're able to get this thing going, these fast food companies are going to be looking for ways to automate so they won't have to have employees. There are already technologies that are out there that would let them have a absolute skeleton crew working in in the actual McDonald's or the actual fast food place, and you, a robot takes your a computer takes your order. You you click on the screen. No one actually has to interact with you. That's what's going to happen. Well, there's already a good example of that in the grocery store chain in California, Fresh and Easy. Yeah, those stores do not have cashiers. Right. There's one person that mans. Like the eight automatic lanes right? just to make sure everything goes well. But it's not like they have a couple of self-checkout lanes. All of them are self-checkout. Yeah, that's right. And then if something goes wrong, like if you if you have to get ID'd for your beer or whatever, or if, if the scale fucks up like it always does, right. and your mushrooms apparently need to weigh seven pounds, and oh, sorry, we don't. There's nothing on the scale. Yeah. If that happens, <laughs> then the person comes over and types in their super secret code. Yes. And lets you proceed. Yes. As Brittany would say. 
Yes. But, you know, it's automation. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And raising the minimum wage. I mean, obviously, this would be great. This is a very idealistic, very, very great thing. It would be great for the worker. Right. But who is the government to tell me if I own a business, this is how you have to run your business. You have to pay this amount. Well, and the thing is, in my job that I was working when I was an undergrad, if my boss had been forced to pay me $15 an hour, Mm -hmm. he would have fired you he would have gotten rid of me or he would have lowered my hours so that my paycheck would be the same amount. Right, right. (laughs) Because he couldn't afford that. He wouldn't have been able to afford that. Yeah. And so I would have lost my job. This need and this well, what's happening, we're seeing that Walmart already has set a nine dollar minimum for their opening wages. I think Target also jumped on board with that. Maybe Ross, the other kind of low-cost department store, off-label department store, they've also jumped on that train with Walmart. So it's starting to happen, but I don't know. Listen, I know it would be good. I mean, hell, who wouldn't want to make $15 an hour while fucking up your order at the drive-thru? But I just generally have a bad taste in my mouth about it. So... And I don't like bad taste in my mouth, Brittany Page. I heard that <laughs> you like it a lot. All right. Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up with this. I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I kind of know about Brittany Page. We like the wine. Uh, I love <laughs> the wine. Well, Vox, which apparently is not a completely worthless website, no. Does do some hard-hitting reporting sometimes. <laughs> it, well, this isn't one of those pieces. Oh, okay. No, they, thought... do, they do some stuff, some some actual reporting on the terrorism, and they do some statistics. And yeah, they do. They rip off charts from 538.com. And Nate Silver gets mad yeah, and tweets he, them. he lets them know about yeah. it. Yeah. But they did uh, a thing about wine. An expensive wine is often bullshit. And I, this, I'm not quoting the title of their article. What's the title of the article? Expensive wine is for suckers. This video shows why. Oh, well, apparently it's not far off. No. My bullshit claim. Yes. Well, they did a little video and they talked about the statistics and the, the, um, just the oddities of judging wine, tasting wine, what people, when they think of what's good, what's bad, when it's blind tasted, when someone knows the price tag on the label. So without further ado, because we loved this, we wanted to show you. These are three red wines that are made from the same grape, but at different prices. The most expensive is a 2011 Honig Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. Sauvignon. Wine Spectator magazine rated it outstanding. And it costs five times more than the one on the right. So does it taste five times better? Nineteen Vox staffers tasted and rated each of the wines, and almost half of them correctly identified the most expensive one, but that's not because they liked it more. Very nuanced, complex, didn't enjoy it. Their average ratings for the cheapest and the most expensive wine, they were actually the same. I'm glad I have cheap taste. It's going to make my life really easy. And this is consistent with a 2008 study that compiled 6,000 blind tastings in the United States. It found that unless they had undergone wine training, people didn't actually prefer the taste of the expensive wines. In fact, they enjoyed them slightly less. Yeah, that's really not very pleasant. 
There seems to be something about wine that can make us feel a bit lost. Kind of sort of an oaky afterbirth. And that's probably why a single movie can move the whole wine market. That's tasty. That's 100% Pinot Noir. Single vineyard. They don't even make it anymore. After Sideways was released, sales of Pinot Noir jumped compared to other red wines. And sales of Merlot... I am not drinking any Merlot! They slowed down. <laughs> but who decides what good wine is? There are professional judges that give medals at competitions, but they're really inconsistent. One statistician showed that most wines that received the highest score in one competition also got the lowest score in another. This is the distribution of gold medals that you would expect if they were awarded by random chance. It looks a lot like the actual distribution of gold medals in U.S. wine competitions. That suggests that judges often disagree with each other, but it gets worse. They often disagree with themselves. When surreptitiously given the same wine three times, only one in ten of the judges at the California State Fair Wine Competition consistently awarded it the same medal. Wine ratings published in magazines can be all over the map, too. Here's how two top critics described the same wine in 2004. A brilliant effort. Completely unappetizing. The wine of sublime richness. Overripe aromas. Remarkable freshness and definition. More reminiscent of a late harvest Zinfandel than a red Bordeaux. One problem is that not all of the wine publications require their tasters to be blind to the price and to the brand. And that matters because people can't seem to avoid associating price with quality. One experiment in Australia showed that people rated the same wine higher when they thought it was $53 rather than $16 or $6. But get this, the experimenters had actually made that wine objectively worse by adding tartaric acid. It didn't matter. The price tag overwhelmed their own taste buds. In another study, scientists scanned the brains of people tasting wines that they thought were either $10 or $90. In reality, it was the same wine, but when they thought it was expensive, their brains showed more activity in a region associated with pleasant tastes and smells. So, expensive wines may actually taste better after all. As long as you know that they're expensive. Whatever. But you can feel free to finish it if you want. I'll take the expensive one. <laughs> So I found that, well, one, not surprising because I've, I've drank a lot of expensive, quote unquote, wine, and I'm usually not a fan. It ends up being that, mm, I'm no, I'm listen, it's rare when you and I drink wine, it is rare that we drink anything out of the range of 10 to $20. Yes. If we get something more expensive than that, it's usually because of a recommendation from someone but our go-to is usually $9.99 and $19.99. Those are kind of our go-to price points. I mean, I would love to try a super expensive wine. So if that could happen, I wouldn't mind that happening. You, are you hinting around to the audience maybe? No, I'm just saying <laughs> that I would like the chance to to try that. But I, this is really strange to me. And I wonder if... When they when they did this, where they surreptitiously give the wine to the the judges over again, and over. Yeah, right? Yeah. I wonder if they could have just told them, like, "Hey, you keep rating this differently. We keep giving you the same wine. Can just, you just stop your job now?" Right, right. Because obviously, this isn't a thing. Being a sommelier. It, well, it's. I think it's more wine critic. Although I think a sommelier is probably. They're just kind of to tell you what to pair your food with. 
Okay. Yeah, where these are wine judges who are they have their heads straight up their own assholes and are very hoity-toity about their knowledge of wine. They're fucking wine snobs, you know? Terrible. Yeah, and I it's embarrassing that very embarrassing that these are them. the results that come out which which really just suggests they have no idea. They really should have some like they said they should these wine magazines really should do blind tastes where they don't show the yes. label. And it's probably because of advertising money that kind of skews their judgment on how to objectively score the wine. Yes, I think telling them what the price is is for sure going to make them biased yeah. to think, oh, well, it's better. Of it's course. more expensive. Well, let us know what you think about this. I find it fascinating, but, you know, that might just be me. 657 464 7609. As always, we are still looking for, at the start of the show, those promos that play where you say who you are, where you're from, and how much you don't listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. 657-464-7609 or send us a voice memo from your smartphone to I Doubt It at dollamore.com. We will leave you there. We love you. We appreciate you. If you appreciate us and you'd like to support us in other ways than listening, we would love you for it. You can go to dollamore.com while you're checking out that blog that I wrote and visit the Amazon search bar there. If you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon, why not help support your favorite show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comments? Until next time, everybody. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. And then I link them in my stupid kid head. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, in your stupid kid head. <laughs> <laughs>